Timothy verse 1, 3 through 7, and I particularly like this because my son is named Timothy. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwells first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I'm sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan and to flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Thank you, Sue. You know, one of the uh, one of the things I love about camping, my family camps, you know, at least at least once a year, if not a couple of times. And one of the things I love about camping is is lighting a fire. Um, in fact, it's a good excuse to go camping. When else do I get to light a fire? And I don't know if there are any Boy Scouts here, but uh, I know that they teach you how to build a good fire. You know, they, they teach you there's a certain way that you should structure the fire so that it will really catch and get going. Because fires need three things. They need fuel. They need a flame, and they need air. They need, they need to be fanned so that they, they come and get the air that they need and burst into flame. And, in fact, it's that final element, the, the air, the, the fanning of the flame, that actually creates a problem when you talk about wildfires. You know, again, every year, speaking of fires, we also hear about wildfires in California. And, friends, the, the problem with wildfires is always the air. It's the wind. It's the fanning of the flame. Because by the time you're fighting a wildfire, there's already been a spark that started it. And there's plenty of fuel, especially in the dry seasons. And the problem is the wind. Because wind will spread the flames. And not only will wind spread the flames, a rushing wind will fan the flames. It will rekindle them. It will reignite that which has been extinguished. I mean, a good, a good wind can fan even the smallest of flames, even the tiniest of spark and make it grow. And that's what we find Paul reminding Timothy to do in today's passage. Fan the flame, not a wildfire, but fan the flame of the spirit so that it grows. Fan the flame of the spirit so that it grows. I mean, that's the central idea of what Sue just read for us. Everything else in here leads to it or flows from it. Fan the flame. You see, Paul opens up by reminding Timothy of the fuel and of the flame. He goes, you've already got the fuel, you've got the flame, and now fan the flame. You have the fuel, you have the flame, now fan the flame. You know, Paul opens by reminding Timothy of the fuel. And the fuel that he describes to him is the fuel of fellowship, of the friendships, of the relationships around him. He talks about the fellowship, the relationship, the partnership that he, Paul, has with Timothy. You know, again, fellowship in the Bible, like we've said before, is not like fellowship like tea parties and social engagements. It's far more like Tolkien's fellowship of the ring. It's not just a community, but it's a community that's born of a shared mission. You see, Paul and Timothy had shared experiences. They were on mission together. 
They had suffered together. They'd fought alongside one another. They had each other's back. And their experiences had forged them into a fellowship. Those who labor alongside us fuel our faithfulness. Those whom we labor beside will fuel our faithfulness. I mean, you've had those experiences. You've had those experiences. Maybe, maybe you've played on a sports team. And you just had that, that working together, that beauty, where you all just came together and you worked towards a goal and it created enduring relationships, didn't it? It created team spirit. It created a unity, a fellowship together. Or maybe you've worked together with a team at work and you overcame challenges, you broke new ground, you completed a project, and you remember it created a camaraderie, a thankfulness for one another, a fellowship. And Paul says, Timothy... Remember our fellowship. Remember our fellowship. And Paul talks about his love and his longing for Timothy. Talks about Timothy's tears at their last parting. This is no casual relationship. This is a fellowship. And their fellowship has been forged in the shared mission. So Paul says, remember our fellowship. Because those who labor alongside us, those with whom we work, with whom we fight alongside. That fuels our faithfulness. Let that memory fuel the fire, Paul says. And he reminds Timothy that they're actually part of something even bigger than themselves. He says, yeah, we've got a fellowship, Timothy, but remember, we're part of something even bigger. Something even greater than just you and me and what we're doing. Did you notice verse 3? Verse 3, he says, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors. He says, Timothy, we're part of a fellowship and it's greater than us. We're part of something that's bigger than us. We serve God just as did our ancestors before us. There are many who have gone before us. And let your memory of them be fuel for the fire of your faithfulness today. Let the understanding that we are part of something that's far greater than ourselves fuel the fire of your devotion right now. You know, this morning I wanted us to sing, O Church Arise, for many reasons but especially for the final verse. As saints of old still line the way, retelling triumphs of His grace, we hear their calls and hunger for the day when with Christ we stand in glory. Friends, we stand as part of a fellowship that spans the ages. There are saints of old that line the way. They've gone before us. Friends, and their stories call down to you and I throughout the ages. Their stories retell triumphs of God's grace. The remembrance of our ancestors of the faith who have gone before us fuels our faithfulness today. So that we too, we too might, like them, might be shown to be faithful until the day when we, like they do now, stand in Christ's glory. This is one of the reasons why we need the stories of faith that we find in the Scriptures. This is one of the reasons why we should care about church history. The story of the faithful who've gone before us. This is why we should be reading missionary stories and stories arising from the persecuted church around the world. This is why we need stories of those who have stood firmly, who proclaim boldly, who have sacrificed greatly, who have died faithfully. We need their stories because their story is our story. We're part of a fellowship far greater than what you see here. 
but one that goes down through the ages. And church, part of a great fellowship, it inspires us to be faithful today. It's fuel for the fire. Paul says, remember our fellowship, your and mine, Timothy, the labor that we've done together. Remember all those who've gone before us, our ancestors who have sought and who have served God. We're part of something so much bigger. But Paul doesn't stop there. He goes, there's some more fuel for the fire, Timothy. There's more fuel for the fire of your faithfulness, and that's the fuel of your family. Paul says to Timothy, remember, you come from a family of faith. Remember the faith of your grandmother, Lois. Remember the faith of your mother, Eunice. That faith, that faith is now yours. Parents and grandparents, let me tell you something. There is no greater gift you can give to your children and grandchildren than a godly heritage. Parents and grandparents, there is no greater gift that you can give to your children and grandchildren than your own pursuit of God. Let them see you. Let them hear you. Speak to them. Teach them. Pass on to them a godly heritage. Because parents and grandparents, the church is here to support and come alongside you. But the majority of the responsibility is yours because honestly, the majority of the opportunity is yours. There are 168 hours in a week. And especially in this time of COVID limitations, the time your children are probably spending in church activities is maybe at most two hours a week. Which is 1% of their week. But what percent of their week do you think that they spend with you parents and grandparents? And during that far greater time, what are they seeing? What are they hearing? What are you doing with that time? The greater responsibility is yours because the greater opportunity is yours, parents. Now, you know, we don't know. We don't know what what Lois and Eunice did that made such an impact on young Timothy. But can I guarantee you one thing? Whatever it is that they did, they did it consistently. Whatever it is they did, they did it consistently. You know, author and life coach Tony Robbins says something that's very true. He says, it's not what we do once in a while that shapes our lives. It's what we do consistently. It's not what you do once in a while that's going to shape you. It's what you do consistently. And I feel confident to say that day in and day out, young Timothy saw a consistent witness from his mother and his grandmother's lives. I imagine that he consistently heard a message in their words. Whatever they did, I believe that they probably did it consistently. I mean, remember the command that the Lord gave to his people through Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. He said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently, diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. 
And you know what's so spectacular about this command? What's so spectacular about this command is how utterly unspectacular it is. I mean, the commands here, these are no great feats. There's no impossible tasks here. There's no grand gestures. He's saying, hey, in the mundane of everyday life, as you're living regular life with your children and your grandchildren, as you're repeatedly going through the routines and the rituals of life, what are they seeing? What are they hearing? What are you teaching them? Repeatedly, creatively, consistently, put your faith before your children. When you sit, when you stand, when you lie down, when you rise, as you walk along the way. Church, I don't know what Lois and Eunice did to pass off the faith to Timothy, but I believe that however they lived, that whatever they taught, they did it consistently. Because faith is forged not in the great fires as much as in the furnace of the mundane. The faith of this next generation is going to be forged not so much in the great fires as much as in the furnace of the mundane and the everyday. Parents and grandparents, you do not need to do great things to impress the faith upon your children or grandchildren. But you need to do consistent things. So how will you commit? How will you commit to regularly take advantage of those mundane moments, those opportunities to live and to teach your children, as did Lois and Eunice, as they taught Timothy? Paul says you've got plenty of fuel here, Timothy. You've got plenty of fuel for the fire. You've got our fellowship You're part of a greater fellowship that spans generations before. And more than that, you have a godly heritage. You come from a family of faith. There's plenty of fuel for the fire. But as we all know, friends, fires need more than fuel. Fires need fuel and they need a flame. And Paul reminds Timothy of the flame that has started the blaze in his heart. It's the spark of faith. In verse 5, Paul speaks of Timothy's sincere faith. And in part, verses 6 and 7, Paul reminds Timothy of the Holy Spirit's coming upon him. And, and now while verse 6 is most likely referring specifically to Timothy's commissioning to ministry, when Paul and the elders laid hands on Timothy, as we read in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, Paul, we see here, is also more generally referring to the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit coming upon Timothy to work in and through Timothy's life. Because, friends, while Timothy did have a special calling upon his life, we need to remember. We need to remember that the fire of faith which bur- that burns in every one of us who confesses Christ has been ignited by that same Spirit. You may not have a special calling the way that Timothy did as one who had his ha- hands laid on him and was called to a ministry But you do, if you've confessed Christ, have the Holy Spirit within you, the same Spirit that was within Timothy, burns within you. Because it's only by that Spirit, friends, it's only by that Spirit that faith might be ignited. He is the flame that ignites faith. As 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3 ends, saying, No one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. 
Friends, there is no fire of faith without the Spirit. It is the fire, it is the Spirit that ignites us to say Jesus is Lord. It is the Spirit that sets us on fire. Paul reminds Timothy of the evidence of the Holy Spirit's flame that's burning in his life. He says, Timothy, I've seen it. I've seen the work of the Spirit. I've heard and seen your sincere faith. The word sincere literally means without hypocrisy. He says, hey, Timothy, this is genuine. In other words, Timothy, as I've moved close to you, I've felt the warmth of the Spirit burning within you. This is no act. You're not just playing at this. You're not pretending it. The closer I've moved to you, Timothy, the more I have felt the Spirit's warmth within you. And he says more than that, Timothy, the power of the Spirit has been evident in your life, in your ministry. I've seen the Spirit at work within you. I've seen Him working through you. Paul reminds Timothy, the flame is real. It's in your life. It's present in your life. And Paul encourages Timothy. He says, hey, there's fuel enough here to burn, buddy. You have a great fellowship, and you're part of a great fellowship that spans history. You come from a family of faith, a great heritage, and you have the flame. The flame of the Spirit has set you on fire. And so now, the command of verse 6. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. You've got the fuel. You've got the flame. Now fan it. Fan it. Because, friends, every fire needs tending. Every fire needs tending. So fan the flame. Now, again, we can't light the fire of faith. But once the the Spirit ignites you, you can fan the flame. You can encourage the fire to grow. Paul says, what your fellowship fueled and the Spirit ignited, you fan that flame and let that fire grow so that it blazes hotter and brighter. It's like we sang this morning, which is really a prayer. Consuming fire, fan into flame a passion for your name. Spirit of God, would you fall in this place? Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way with us. And every time we sing that, which as I look back, it's been a while since we've sung that. Every time we sing it, I go, what if God answered that prayer? What if he really answered it? Consuming fire, fan into flame in my heart, in your heart, in our collective heart, a passion for your name. No, God, have your way in us, whatever that means. Whatever's got to be consumed and burned away, have your way in us. Friends, what would change? What would change in your life? What would change in our life together? Church, God is not supposed to be some toasty little fire to warm your feet on a cold morning. He's supposed to be an all-consuming and purifying blaze that sets you and sets us on fire a passion, a purpose, our love, our power. And Paul reminds Timothy what that blaze, when it's ignited, looks like. Look at verse 7. God did not give us a spirit. God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Now, there are indications. We're going to see some of them as we study through 2 Timothy. And there are indications in Paul's other letters that Timothy might have been a little timid. He might have struggled a little bit with fear. 
You know, maybe he considered himself, or maybe he was considered by others to be just too young, too weak, or too inexperienced. And so Timothy, like you, and like me, might have sometimes been fearful. He might have been fearful of a hostile culture, fearful that he wasn't powerful enough, fearful of looking like a fool, fearful of not having all the answers, fearful of being too young, too weak, too inexperienced. Have you ever felt that way yourself? And Paul reminds Timothy, the spirit that is blazing within you, the spirit that is blazing within you is a spirit that will make you unafraid. And the hotter that fire of the Spirit blazes, the less you'll fear the culture, the intelligentsia, failure, looking foolish, feeling unprepared. So fan into flame the blaze of the Spirit within, because it is a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Friends, this morning we sang repeatedly of power. And I don't know if you heard it. We repeatedly declared the power that is at work within us because of Christ. And his spirit within. We sang, no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, it's Jesus who commands my destiny. And there's no power of hell and no scheme of man that can ever pluck me from his hand. So till he returns or calls me home, here, in the power of Christ, I'll stand. What power in this world do you and I need to fear? What power in this world do we need to fear, church, if the power of the risen Christ blazes within us? There's no power of hell. There's no power of man that can stop us. None can pluck us from the power of Jesus Christ's hand. It is the power of Christ that blazes within us. So fan it into flame. It's why we sang a traditional Easter song which says of the early church, once bound in fear, now bold in faith. They preached the truth and power of grace and pouring out their lives, they gained life, life everlasting. And also the power that raised him, being Christ, from the dead, now works in us to powerfully save. The power that raised Christ from the dead blazes within you by his spirit. So what power is greater than that? What power in this world is greater than the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead? That is the power that is at work within us. It drives away fear and it makes us bold. Friends, that's really a summary of the entire book of Acts. Remember that at the end of the Gospels, the disciples were a mess. Jesus was crucified and what did they do? They all ran away. And they hid. They denied Him. And then what do we see in Acts? The Holy Spirit came upon them. And power. Power came upon them. The fearful became faithful. The bewildered became bold. Fan it into flame. The the truth of what, what God was doing in and through His church then and wants to do in and through His church now is summarized in the story of my very favorite prayer meeting. It's the type of prayer meeting that I have always wanted to be a part of. In Acts chapter 3 and 4, Peter and John were thrown into jail, threatened by the religious leaders, told not to speak in the name of Jesus anymore, and then they were released. And what did they do? They gathered with the church and they held a prayer meeting. 
And in Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 29, it describes that prayer meeting and their prayer. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Friends, the Greek word translated here as boldness literally means to hold nothing back. Literally hold nothing back. Because fear, doesn't it hold us back? Isn't that the problem with fear? It holds us back. We don't do what we should do because of fear. We don't say what we know we should say because of fear. We don't go where we know we should go because of fear. Fear holds us back, but the Spirit gives us boldness. I mean, earlier in the same chapter, Peter and John, as they stood before the religious leaders, they were described in Acts 4.13 as unschooled, ordinary men. Unschooled and ordinary men, but the whole council noted they'd been with Jesus. Friends, these men and women that we read about in the Bible, they weren't super Christians. They were ordinary Christians with a super spirit. Church, the same spirit that's within you today. The same spirit that's within you today. Church, we do not naturally have the power to overcome every obstacle or answer every argument or face every challenge. So fan into flame the fire of the Spirit. We do not naturally have the love to turn the other cheek, to pray blessings upon those who persecute and curse us, to forgive the unforgivable, to love the unlovable. So fan into flame the fire of the Spirit within. Church, we, do, we are not naturally self-controlled. Sin deceives and masters us. Temptations haunt us. Addictions plague us. Rationalization, justification, and minimization soothe us. We wander, we stray, we sin. Fan into flame the fire of the Spirit. Because He's given us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. Paul writes to Timothy, the fuel's there. Timothy, remember the fuel's there. Our fellowship, your family. You've got a foundation. You've you've heard and you've seen and you've tasted. And Timothy, the flame is there. Your faith is sincere. The Spirit's call and His work are evident in your life. So fan that flame into a blaze that the power and the love and the discipline of the Spirit might blaze within you and empower your life and your ministry. And church... Is this our prayer today? Is this your prayer today? You might rightly ask, well, how? You know, practically, I mean, you talk about fanning the flame. How do I fan the flame? You know, first, like Paul wrote to Timothy, remember. Do you notice that Paul kept saying, Timothy, remember. I remember. You need to remember. 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 Paul reminded Timothy of all that he'd heard and seen and done, because, friends, that's fuels for the fire. You know, the Bible reveals that humans, we, we are a forgetful bunch. 
In fact, if you read through the Old Testament, God's relationship with his people, he's constantly accusing them of forgetting. We are forgetful people. We need regular immersion. Reminders in what God, what, in who God is and what He's done. We need to regularly be immersed in the Scripture. We need regular immersion in the community that's formed by the Scripture. We need regularly to add fuel to the fire. You know, I think, I think of what the author in Hebrews wrote in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. He says, let's consider how to stir one another up like you stir up a fire. To love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Friends, the fire is stirred by remembering. We stoke the fire by God's word and by God's people. We remember, we're encouraged, we're challenged. And friends, that statement, let's not give up meeting together. We need to remember this live stream, this is an amazing technology. And it's unquestionably necessary for some at this time. But what we all need to guard against is not to let convenience trump community. We need to guard against letting convenience trump community. So in your decision as to whether or not to attend in person, is the deciding factor is because it's necessary or simply because it's nice? Is there a cause or is it simply convenient? Because church, we need one another. We are mutually encouraged as we gather together and we see one another and we hear one another. As we celebrate together, as we pray together, as our voices are lifted together, we need one another. It's fuel for the fire. And as Paul writes to Timothy, we need the flame of the Spirit then to ignite the fuel that we're stoking the fire with. And friends, that, fuel, that flame, that means prayer. I really feel like the the part of that song that we sang, O Church Arise, is a prayer. O Spirit, come and put strength in every stride. Give grace for every hurdle that we may run with faith to win the prize of a servant good and faithful. Spirit, come and put strength in every stride. It doesn't matter how much fuel you pile up if there's no spark. I could build up the biggest pile of wood, of the driest, most ready to to burst into flame branches and kindling. But if there's no flame, there's going to be no fire. So Spirit, come and put strength in every stride. There's fuel, there's flame, and we need to fan the flame into action. We need to fan the flame by our action, that is. Friends, step out in faith. Do you want to see the fire in your life and in your heart and in our fellowship grow? Then step out in faith. Preach the gospel boldly when you don't think you have the words to do it. Love others unconditionally when you don't think you can because they're unlovable and unrepentant and unlovely. Obey when you don't think you have the power to obey. Fan the flame by stepping out in faith. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, wrote, Among the many difficulties of our early ministry, my brother Charles often said, If the Lord would give me wings, I'd fly. I used to answer, If God bids me fly, I trust Him for the wings. 
God bids us fly. He bids us go. He bids us obey. He bids us proclaim. He bids us to love. Will you trust Him for the wings? Will you trust Him for the power? Will you step out in faith and fan the flame by stepping out in faith? Because who knows how high God might cause you to fly? Who knows how hot your actions might fan the flame in your life and your heart? Who knows what the Spirit might do? Who knows how this community and this world might be impacted by this church if we stepped out in faith? Fan the flame. Step out in faith. Church, how is God calling you to step out in faith today, this afternoon, as you leave this place? Because every fire, it needs fuel, it needs flame, it needs fanning. And if the fire in your heart is not burning brightly today, you might ask, what's lacking? Somehow is fear smoldering the fire? Church, fuel the fire. Pray for the flame to ignite the fire and step out in faith that the flame might be fanned into a blaze. Because church, God has given us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And may that spirit blaze within us and among us that the world might see and that Christ might be glorified. And may it be so. Let's pray. Spirit, come. Put strength in every stride. Give grace for every hurdle. That we may run with faith to win the prize of service, good and faithful. Spirit, come. May the blaze within us grow. May the blaze that consumes us as a church, as a people, grow. And Father, may you receive the glory and the honor and the praise. Do your name. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. In closing, let's stand and sing together, God of